Our first reading from 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. If I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but not of my own will. I am still entrusted with stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I by all means might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory be to Thee, O Lord. Immediately, Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately, he told, immediately they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went outside to a desperate place, a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout Galilee, all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Thee, O Christ. We confess grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Mark's gospel, Jesus is portrayed much like a lion on the prowl. In fact, if you walk out into the narthex and look at the gospel windows, you'll see the gospel of Mark has a lion there depicting it. Jesus is a lion on the prowl, on the attack. 
And so it's very fast-paced in Mark's gospel. You see the word immediately all the time. Immediately Jesus does this. Immediately he did that. It's moving very quickly. What is Jesus on the attack against? He's on the attack against Satan. Against illness. Against the forces of darkness. And we have in our gospel reading this morning, the thing that's revealed to us during this epiphany season, is that Jesus is the conqueror of illness and demons. So what I want to do this morning is work through the text, look at some key things, and then show several things that flow out of that that are important for us in our lives as Christians. Now, this text today starts immediately. Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon, Andrew, with James, and John. Recall last week, because this is still the same day as last week's text, Jesus was in the synagogue, and a man with an unclean spirit came to him. And the unclean spirit said, we know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus cast out that demon on the spot, and everyone was amazed. Immediately, it says. He goes into this house, and Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. Now, it's really interesting here, and we're going to see this more in a moment, but throughout Mark's gospel, and indeed throughout the Bible, there's often this connection between illness and Satan and demons. More on that in a moment. But here I want you to notice that after this grand display of his power, revealing that he is indeed the Holy One, the Son of God, that even the demon knew, even though many of the people didn't, Jesus goes into this house, and he takes care of this woman that to most people was of no significance. Obviously, she was important to Simon's family, but there's nobody around, there's no crowds, and yet Jesus goes to her as if she's the only person that matters, And he doesn't even speak a word. He goes to her. He takes her by the hand. He raises her up. And immediately the fever flees. It's gone. At the touch of Jesus, illness cannot stand to be there. It must flee. It must get out of the way. Jesus does this solely out of his love and compassion for her. As if she was the only one that matters. He made sure that she was taken care of. And it's kind of fascinating because after the fever leaves her, she begins to serve them. She begins to make dinner. As if nothing happens. She gets up, she starts serving. And it's interesting because the word choice here is important. This is a word throughout Mark's gospel that becomes quite significant for our service as Christians. At the very end of the gospel, it will be used of the women who serve Jesus and even those who serve him after his death on the cross. Quite literally, the word does mean to be a waiter, someone who prepares a meal. Peter's mother, after experiencing the power of Jesus and who he is, she immediately begins to serve him. It's quite amazing. But it doesn't stop there. It says that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. Now remember, this is the Sabbath day. 
So the people waited, lest they be accused of violating the laws by the Pharisees. They waited till evening to bring all of these sick and the demon oppressed and possessed to Jesus. And so here on this Sabbath day at sundown, we have this grand battle. Jesus versus Satan and his forces. And Jesus, again, keeps being victorious. Every person that's brought with an illness is healed on the spot. Every demon is sent running. Jesus is Lord over them. Now, I mentioned a moment ago, we have this connection throughout the Bible of sickness and demons. Psalm 91, perhaps, is one of the clearest places for that. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. That is, from the deadly plague, from illness, disease. He will cover you with his pinions. Under his wings he will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Pestilence, this destruction, these illnesses can often be attacks of Satan. Now that does not mean, it does not mean that every time we get sick that it's a satanic assault. Doesn't mean that. It can be that. But even here in Mark's gospel, the connection often is that because we live in a fallen and sinful world, depicted as under the rule of Satan, that all these things are against us. That we're fighting this battle. And that illness and sickness and diseases can feel like being in chains, being in prison. And Jesus has come to set them free. To set us free. And here he does that. But he also helps those who are being afflicted by demons. There's something important we want to talk about here. And a distinction that's important and helpful. A Christian cannot be possessed by demons. Right? We cannot have them living inside of us, controlling us, because we have the Holy Spirit. But demons can oppress us. They can afflict us. They can tempt us and taunt us and cause us all kinds of problems. And here Jesus helps both those who are possessed and those who are oppressed. He sends the demons fleeing. And there's something remarkable after this. The next morning, he gets up early, and he goes out to a desolate place, so he can be all alone, and he prays. This always amazes me. I don't know if it amazes you, but the thought that the very Son of God feels that it's important to get up early, to go be by himself, to be in the presence of his Father and pray to him, kind of blows me away. Reminds me of Luther's famous quote on prayer. That most days he would spend two hours in the morning praying, reading his Bible. But if it was going to be a really busy day, he'd spend three. Because I think we hear that and we're like, wait a minute. If it's a really busy day, then I'm going to spend less time because I've got more things to do. I think Luther is just reflecting what our Lord does. See, our Lord goes into prayer and he's refreshed. He's strengthened, and he's ready for service. It tells us that after that, he goes out to preach and cast out more demons. I want to take away several things from this passage. It's packed full of stuff. The first one I want to look at 
is that Jesus enters your home no less than he entered Simon's home. We have this prayer that many of us use along with the catechism prayer for meals. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. It's quite beautiful in its simplicity. We're asking Jesus to be present among us at our mealtime, to bless our food and bless us. And we see here in this text that Simon and Andrew, James and John, they go to Jesus with their most basic needs. Simon's mother-in-law is ill, and who do they tell? They tell Jesus. So they teach us to bring our most basic, our most practical needs to the Lord's. Sometimes I hear people say things like, they know it's okay to pray to Jesus for the big things, the important things, but they struggle to bring Jesus the little things. Because perhaps that's not important enough for him to listen to. Perhaps in our mind it's something that's not worth his time. And yet we see here that Jesus has time for us. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts this, because God is outside of time, that he has an infinite amount of time for each one of us. So as you pray, you can bring all things to Jesus, because he cares about all things that are going on in your life, no matter how little or how big. It does not matter. If it's weighing on you, if it's bothering you, then Jesus wants to hear about it. He wants to know about it. He wants to help. And one of the primary ways we do this in our home is through the word of God in prayer. As we're in the Word of God, as we're praying as individuals, as families, then there's a battle taking place. Right? Our homes are being protected against the evil one. He's sent fleeing. This is one of the reasons that as Lutherans we have in our little pastoral care companions that those of us who are pastors carry around, we have a house blessing. Where we go into someone's home and we bless their house with the word of God and prayer to mark it as a house that belongs to Jesus. To let the devil and his demons know they do not belong there. And every time you read the word of God, sing the word of God, pray to Jesus, you're doing the very same thing to your homes as well. Next we see, and this is the heart of everything this morning, Jesus is Lord, and that means that he is the conqueror of illness and demons. What's fascinating, though, is the way this is portrayed in some key texts, like Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That could be translated your pains, your, your illnesses. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. The picture in the Bible is that Jesus on the cross, because he deals with your sins, he deals with the thing that sin in the world causes. The fact that we're going to die, our illnesses, our pain, our afflictions. That, too, is dealt with on the cross. But that raises a question for us. Because we look at it and say then, well, what about my illnesses? What about my sicknesses right now? What about my loved one who died of cancer? They weren't healed. 
I've had this chronic illness for years. I have not been healed. Where is Jesus for these things? And the answer is, of course, as Jesus does these healings, as he casts out these demons, he's giving us a picture of what life will be like when everything's restored exactly the way it ought to be. Jesus does not promise that we will not be sick, that we will not suffer affliction here, but he does promise that the forgiveness of sins that we have in Christ now will bring full release from those things one day, even if it's not today. That where there is the forgiveness of sins, there indeed is eternal life and there is salvation. That when he raises you up on the last day, you'll be perfectly healed of all diseases, all illnesses, all sicknesses will be gone. But it may not be yet. So what about demonic attack? We're also not promised anywhere in the Bible that we won't be under demonic attack. In fact, quite the opposite. As Luther puts it, from the moment of your baptism, you've got a target on your back. The devil's closer to you, he says, than the shirt on your back. He's out to get you, to destroy you. There's no promise that the demons will leave you alone. They're coming after you. As we sing, the old evil foe, what? He means deadly woe. And yet, how does that hymn go on? Who is beside us in the plain? Who is fighting for us? We're not promised we'll be left alone, but we are promised that Jesus will fight for us. That he'll be by our side fighting at these battles. We're promised in our baptism that we put on Christ, which is the full armor of God in Ephesians 6. That he is with us. And just like we won't be fully free from illness and sickness and death so too it is with demonic attack. Now, I do want to give a warning here about this, though. If we protect our homes with the word of God in prayer, on the flip side, we can let in demons through what we see, what we're watching, what we're listening to, what we're doing. And I especially, because I think this is important to mention because based on statistics and numbers, one of the greatest things we've let into, ways we've let demons into our homes is through pornography. That is one of the things that is wrecking families and homes every day all around us. We have to be careful what we do. God has given us the word of God in prayer. With those, we have full confidence that the Lord is on our side fighting for us. We do not want to open doors to the enemy. I mentioned that Jesus goes into a desolate place to pray. And if Jesus needs to be refreshed and strengthened so he can be ready for service, how much more do we need that? If Jesus needed to be in the presence of his Father to be blessed in this way, how much more do you and I need that? In fact, it's going on right now in the divine service. The Lord is here refreshing you, strengthening you, Blessing you that you might be ready for service. Whether it's here in the divine service or also in your homes as you spend time in the word of God in prayer, 
we find out quickly that it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. That we are strengthened through the forgiveness of sins. That we are strengthened through what Jesus does for us here in this place. And as I said, it is for service. Jesus himself said, the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so like Peter's mother-in-law, we're healed in this place, we're restored, we're refreshed, and we go out and we serve. We wait tables, if you will. We do the humble, lowly service that needs to be done out of love for our neighbor. Paul talks about the discipline that goes into this. And the thought that goes into us in our epistle reading. We'll hear more about that on Wednesday. For now, though, it's enough to say that as we serve in our vocation, starting in our homes, and expanding out to wherever God places us, we serve out of love and humility, just as Peter's mother-in-law did. We face the very same things that people in Jesus' day faced. We face illness. We face death, we face demons. And yet Jesus is the conqueror of these things. So as the choir sang a moment ago, we pray that still he would be our great deliverer. That he would rescue us from these things. So Jesus still serves us today. Not only did he give his life as a ransom for many for us, but he gives us his very body and blood in the Holy Supper. That we might be strengthened in body and soul, to life everlasting, with the assurance that we will be freed from illness and demons. Amen. The peace of God passes on understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.